passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind a Dynamite. I am John Pollock alongside Waiting. How are you, Way? I'm doing pretty well, John. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. Good. I'm happy to hear that. Okay. Just want to inform you. I think I'm doing well. I'm, I, I, I like knowing about that. Did you get out today? Very I nice did. weather. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is like, you know, the nice chunk of fall in between like a really hot summer and a really cold winter that's about to happen where, um, yeah, I actually took a nice little long walk today. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Um, yeah, it, it got a little cold and then today, very nice out. So I'm expecting God knows what tomorrow, but uh, weather, weather thumbs up on this Wednesday. Thumbs up today. Yeah. So go outside. Do something. Go outside, um, sing, climb a tree. <laughs> Don't sure. break into another man's house. Um, not unless you're trying to um, you know, get a match on a pay-per-view, I guess. Could you, you know, for all we talk about, like, realism and such in, in professional wrestling, okay? Mm. When this mysterious man walked into Hangman Page's baby's nursery. Yeah. Come on, has your has your child ever slept like that soundly? I mean, come on. I was like, you're <laughs> kidding me. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's how you know there's, this is. There's bullshit. no way. There's yeah. no way. Definitely. Um, I mean, you know, maybe maybe he's maybe the baby's a deep sleeper. Maybe they they got very lucky. You know. So, I hope this pays off in like ten years, where the child has grown and suddenly turns on dad doing the Prince Nana dance. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, a book it, sure. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about in. home invasions later on yeah. in the show, but we have uh, we have lots to get to on the on the show. Want to give um, a heads up to people if they want to check out today's edition of Pollock and Thurston. We had a uh, our lengthiest show to date. We had Alan Forel on from the uh, Pro Wrestling Torch site, someone I've wanted to have on for a long time, and we spent the whole show going over the ballot for this year's Wrestling Observer newsletter. Hall of Fame, going through many of the interesting candidates, some that we think are obvious picks, some that are definitely debatable ones, who are some dark horse picks, but going through many of them, including CM Punk, Roman Reigns, the Young Bucks, you know, all people way that are going to produce a lot of level-headed analysis and calm reaction, uh, given, um, given what this will mean for 
the community at large. So uh, check that out. A great discussion with uh, with Alan, who even revealed his belief the greatest wrestler of all time is on this ballot. So find out who, um, but always a great, uh, always a great discussion. And then as soon as we finish the show, uh, Brandon informed me that um, Endeavor is uh, seeking to explore strategic opportunities. I was like, oh my goodness, should we just uh, continue on our show and go live again? Um, but we are going to get into uh, all the news. Also want to give a plug to the wellness policy from Tuesday. Open topics. That's lots correct. Of, lots of, lots of uh, different directions that you guys went in. Yeah. You actually listen. I started. Okay. Had a long oh, yes. day, but I, I did have it on for, for a portion. So I was, uh, I was listening. Enjoy the weather. Put the podcast on. No real agenda. We, we talk about a whole lot of different things. And as always, uh, an enjoyable conversation I had with the two of them. Okay. So check out those shows. And uh, later on, we'll go over what is coming up uh, later on this week at the site. But the story I mentioned, Endeavor, uh, we're going to start off with that. And today, uh, Endeavor... They got a big jump in – this is the uh, Endeavor side of the business. So Endeavor has a 51% stake in TKO Group Holdings. But then there is the separate Endeavor company itself, which is also public. And so the Endeavor stock uh, got a big jump in after-hours trading today because they put out a press release that Endeavor, the talent agency and sports group, was exploring strategic opportunities. They put out that um, – as part of this review of strategic alternatives, the company will not consider the, st- the sale or disposition of the company's interest in TKO Group Holdings. So all of this is not going to affect anything regarding TKO and Endeavor's 51% stake in it. Um, but Ari Emanuel stated that given the continued dislocation between Endeavor's public market value and the intrinsic value of Endeavor's underlying assets, we believe an evaluation of strategic alternatives is a prudent approach to ensure we are maximizing value for our shareholders. And those are words that always perk up Way's interest, maximizing value for shareholders. Mm. Just have that inked on your chest if you're one of these uh, officials. Endeavor has not set a deadline or definitive timetable for the completion of the strategic alternatives review process, and there can be no assurance that this process will result in any particular outcome. The company does not intend to comment further regarding the review of strategic alternatives until it determines closure is necessary or advisable. Um, so they're not going to comment it on it any further, but they are more than happy to see people um, picking up the, the stock. So part of this has to do with a recent uh, valuation of their competitor, CAA. And they have just been uh, a majority purchase of CAA was recently made um, by a French billionaire, Francois Henry Pinault for $7 billion. So if you're looking at that valuation, uh, Endeavor's belief is that, well, that puts a, a value on us as well. So this did result in uh, the TKO stock. At last check, it was up about 25% in after-hours trading. Now, to get further clarity on this, Silver Lake, which has 71% of the voting power in Endeavor, they have stated that they are working on a proposal to take Endeavor back private after it went public two years ago, and they are not interested in selling its shares in Endeavor to a third party, nor entertaining bids for assets of Endeavor. So this is all a interesting puzzle that Endeavor is forming, the hope of which is going to lift up their their stock. And conversely, I mean, this can also be just focused on Endeavor. You know, I am sure like the TKO stock has been underperforming. It's at a, you know, it closed today at uh, just under $79 and it has been very flat since 
uh, the recent uh, SmackDown deal was announced and what Ari Emanuel went over in terms of the um, it's it's also it's just not gotten out to the level that they were hopeful of. So Endeavor is making some potentially very big moves where Endeavor could end up going back private. Um, it seems like certain ideas are on the table and we'll see if this is just a short term swing for the Endeavor stock or if there is uh, a- anything more significant to this. But there you go. There is your your thought way. So does this caution you way about buying any Endeavor stock or are you getting antsy just at the the announcement of this? Um, I I don't have enough money to, to invest. At oh, you do. All. This stock so. is trading at like 17 bucks. You could you could afford some Endeavor stock. Okay. They would right. gla- okay, uh, well, that was that was pre after hours selling. Now you're going to have to go above the 20s. Correct. Right. So let's say Endeavor, I don't know, but becomes a, a private company again. Um, you could still TKO would still at that point be a TKO public is, company. Yes. TKO is still a public company and that would not affect any of that. We're still going right. to get our quarterly calls unless something mm-hmm. dire goes uh, for, for the TKO side, which they will be doing their next uh, earnings call next week, uh, actually. So uh, you can look forward to that. And actually, it might be in. Yeah, it's next week, I believe. Next story is WWE raking in that international PLE money. They're going to Berlin for uh, a title that must have just been, you know, uh, an eight-figure focus group to come up with. Bash in Berlin. That is going to happen on Saturday, August 31st, which is Labor Day weekend, at the Mercedes-Benz Arena in Berlin, Germany. This will be their first premium live event in the country of Germany, which they are actually running this weekend for a live event during the European tour. And yes, this is the latest in, well, they have not uh, made it clear here, but I think we can all put two and two together and assume that they are uh, likely getting a, a nice sizable fee to go to Germany for a premium live event. This has been the goal of Nikon for all of their premium live events. And if you are keeping track, they now have fees set up for uh, January at the Royal Rumble, which we learned is $500,000 that they're getting for the Rumble. So almost uh, that's pocket change for some of these places. 500 grand. I mean, what does Saudi Arabia think about that price tag? Um, February, they're going to Perth, Australia for uh, Elimination Chamber. And then we have this one on top of the two Saudi Arabia cards next year as well. So these are becoming a, a, a lucrative area of the company. And I don't think we're going to be doing a trip to uh, Berlin unless you uh, would like to go there. I would love to go. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, maybe TBD about whether or not we would be able to. Um, the timing is is somewhat interesting, isn't it? You know, given it's it, it'll August. be it'll be all out weekend if they're doing. I mean, wow. this will not collide location wise, but this is I mean, odds are we're going to have a Saturday afternoon WWE show and a Sunday night AEW pay-per-view if it's a pay-per-view that they are presenting at that time versus like a streaming option or something yeah but, and what do you anticipate all in to be next year well we know all in is oh what it will air on so we where assume, no no what what's what the date is i imagine it would be the week prior again um so for a lot of people that might be traveling over there i mean if you're gonna go to to london you, you might as well maybe you know take the extra flight to berlin you know that that sort of two-stopper um and what about SummerSlam? SummerSlam, they have not announced where SummerSlam is going to be yet. Okay. So that will be, um, yeah, that could be 
July or August, they could they could put that, and that's probably a stadium too. Whether it's in the U.S., whether it's overseas, they could do SummerSlam overseas if the if the if the right amount is there as well. But um, not just like the fact that they are, you know, it's international events too that are, I think, actually going to make you know their U.S. based shows like they're going to be much more rare, and they're going to probably grow demand for domestic shows when they they do run them. When you see so many of these international shows as well. John Jones, he is off the UFC 295 card. So this this is the show that they have scaled prices to such an ungodly degree to try and break their gate record at Madison Square Garden. And they have lost easily the biggest fighter on this card. So John Jones tours Peck uh, training, and he's going to be out. Dana White stated eight months. So that's, you know, he's got to go for surgery, big recovery ahead of him. So his fight with Stipe Miocic is off. Miocic is not fighting on the card either. So in their place are Sergei Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall, which is a very good heavyweight title fight, but the star power is uh, greatly reduced. They will fight for an interim title, and they're moving to the main event, the light heavyweight title fight between Yuri Prohaska and Alex Pereira, who are fighting for the vacant belt. Um, so if you are someone that I believe the cheapest tickets that some people saw were like, 900 bucks or something um i I don't know how you would feel uh, about this uh change of things but it's it's a big blow to the card at madison square garden i think the ufc is um i mean they will still fill this place they are very hot but eh, it's it's a big blow to this card and i would imagine that the the pay-per-view is going to take a big hit when you're going from a john jones fight to sergey pavlovich and tom aspinall and yuri prohaska alex Pereira. even though it's two it's two very good fights but the the name value is greatly reduced but way didn't for me he is still coming over that night he is he's been big on the pavlovich train sure yeah do you think that um they'll add anybody else to this no i don't think so i think this is uh probably what you what you're looking at i mean they have their five fight main card and i don't imagine them adding much uh, i mean there's always that chance but i would think that they would have had that announcement ready if there was something else that they were going to throw at i think this is Mm. it's probably the card they've got NXT on Tuesday night, Halloween Havoc, the first of two weeks of the show. It did 787,000 viewers and a 0.21 in the demo. So they were basically even in viewers. They were down a percentage point and down 9% in the demo, which was technically their lowest since September 26. But this was going against Game 7 of the Diamondbacks and Phillies that did uh, 8.9 million viewers, plus a Lakers-Nuggets game that did 2.8 million viewers. Um, So this... All it lost to was uh, baseball and NBA on on Tuesday night. And some of the highlights of the show included uh, Lyra Valkyria winning the NXT women's title from Becky Lynch. And I would assume concluding Becky's NXT run that I would classify as a pretty big success, both with the numbers she pulled. Um, This was one. This was a show where they they were up against a lot on on Tuesday night. But I, I still thought this was a very good number for them. And. I think you couldn't have asked for much more of what you got out of Becky. You got several big matches. And in the end, she put over like the next big female star they want to push in Lyra Valkyria. Yeah, I don't know if, how you could classify this Becky run as anything but a tremendous success. Um, it's It's been great for NXT. It's been great for Becky Lynch to be able to say, you know, maybe next time she's up for her contracts up for negotiation. Hey, look what I can do. Look what I could possibly do for the competition if I was attached in the same way. Um 
I love the fact that they, you know, put decided to put the title on Lyra Valkyria. Um, I think maybe, you know, there was maybe certain speculation about like uh, Jade Cargill potentially getting that win, but somebody like a Jade Cargill is already made, whereas somebody like Lyra Valkyria could really, really, really benefit from a win over Becky Lynch. So um, I'm sorry for Zia Lee, but um, I'm happy for Lyra Valkyria. Oh, that's right. Zia Lee, just odd woman out in this whole thing. Well, Jade Cargill was there. One of two thrones that we saw represented on this show because you had Jade Cargill with her throne to watch the main event as well as Lexus King uh, making his entrance. Did you get to see the former Brian Pillman Jr.'s NXT debut? I got to see the entrance, yes. Okay, um, you didn't see the match. I didn't see the match, no. It was a pretty forgettable match. I was I was not impressed with the match. It was very – it did not wow me in, in any way. The, the entrance would have been the the high point of the presentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the show they also did a tag title change with Andre Chase and Duke Hudson winning the tag titles and what I thought was like a pretty entertaining opener with Kiana James and Roxanne Perez in their Devils playground match that incorporated swings and um, uh, like a teeter-totter um, all things that a devil would play with um, I guess so Sure, seems like a devil's playground a lot like a child's playground uh, well, based on the weapons okay. chosen, and then uh, and then the pop rocks onto a bag with a brick inside that you're supposed to. Oh, she fell on the brick, but in case you didn't get that, she emptied the bag to show the broken, shattered brick. Okay, do, do you want to just take me by the hand for me to process everything that you're telling me? I appreciate well, this. You need, oh, we the brick need was in there, and she broke her fall on the brick. Got it. Mm. Anyway, that was NXT. It was it was a fun show overall. Week one of Halloween Havoc. Um, Raw on Monday night, 1,476,000 viewers, 0.46 in the demo, going against the 49ers and Vikings, as well as game seven of the Astros and Rangers. The only takeaways I had, this was the case for NXT. This was the case for Raw. And it was the case for Collision. Both, all three shows saw double digit increases in 18 to 34, which I Saw, I saw it was like a very good sign when your younger audience is up. Um, Raw was up 20% in that particular demo, which was their largest since August 14th. And then Collision on Saturday, this was the show that was against uh, Major League Baseball playoffs and multiple college football games. They did 518,000 viewers, 0.16 in the demo. And their 18 to 34 category was up 34%, which was the biggest since July 29th, which was the FTR MJF Adam Cole week and that followed with Battle of the Belts 8 the highlight of the entire weekend 397,000 viewers 0.13 in the demo and that was uh that was down from their last special that was in the same slot on a Saturday night in July although again 18 to 34 up significantly from the last uh Battle of the Belts so I can't say this was the most inspiring uh one hour of programming but it was I guess satisfactory for a 10 till 11 hour but um we're just going to get these battle of the belts until the end of eternity or the end of this television contract i think they'll just continue this week coming up is going to be the big one for collision isn't it uh well this one they have they have a big match that they have added to collision and this will be going against the world series. So they will have that to contend with as well as the usual college football, but they on just a couple of days notice are going to do MJF and Kenny Omega for the AEW title. And this was the only time you could have done it 
after you had booked MJF in a match tonight, if you wanted to do something to uh, to stop the streak of MJF breaking Kenny Omega's streak. So they are, in fact, going ahead with it on three days notice for Uncasville, Connecticut. So this um, is probably one of their bigger matches that they have done. This is, to me, bigger than that Danielson, Ricky Starks, Texas death match they've done. You have to go back a, a ways for uh, something of this magnitude for a collision. I'd say b- bigger than Joe versus Punk. You can definitely make an argument, you know, biggest match they've ever had for a collision. So uh, on three days notice, we'll see how it does. And uh, that is all the news. So you can find all of it up at postwrestling.com. We have uh, all the latest there, including today's update, where we go into the history of Dana White and Vince McMahon. Because now that they're, they're buddies, they're all under the same umbrella, I decided to do some digging and look back at uh, some of the public comments, especially from Vince McMahon's side. And uh, it's, it's, it's been an interesting relationship. Like there has been so many tactics of Vince McMahon that we're aware of um, that would have generated quite the vitriol in response from Dana White. And the man has been pretty respectful of Vince McMahon all these years. Like he has a clear respect for Vince McMahon, even though this guy, you know, tried to scoop his announcer from underneath him uh, the day of a, of a fight night card and giving him bad seats at WrestleMania. But you know what? Now they're, now they're, they're business partners together for now, at least for now. Yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. This, this world changes at a, at a rapid clip, but uh, you can read that today uh, in my news update up on the site. And you know what, if you, if you are someone that has dealt with a lot of a uh, complex business relationships, we want to simplify things for you because there's one item out there that makes everything simple. That's NordVPN. Thank you very much, Sean. What a segue. Quick thanks to sponsors of the show, NordVPN. John, what's the first thing you and I do whenever we check into a hotel for one of these work trips? Um, we drink beer. Second thing. Oh, um, then we decide to watch um, uh, random anime from across the world and want to find a suitable stream that's going to broadcast it to our hotel room. So we, we've definitely never watched anime together before. But um, in order to do that, let's say we wanted to, you got to ask for the Wi-Fi password, John. That is the first thing anybody probably does whenever they check into a hotel. But did you know, John? That whenever you sign into public Wi-Fi, you are leaving your phone or computer susceptible to cyber attacks from hackers, making your browsing history, account logins, payment information, and even text messages vulnerable. A VPN that is trusted is a must whenever you're accessing public Wi-Fi, whether it be at a hotel, at an airport, a coffee shop, or even your local library. Encrypting your traffic and hiding your IP address, making sure your data does not belong to anybody but yourself. And NordVPN is one of the most established and reputable VPN providers in the field. Voted Best VPN for Privacy of 2023 by Security.org with an editor's rating of 9.7 out of 10. Stating in its review, NordVPN's encryption is beyond reproach. It offers military-grade encryption, a.k.a. 256-bit AES, the highest encryption standard there is. It, it, you, you've been asking me, John, how can I get a 256-bit AES encryption? Uh, it's in my a way, if I wanted to join the military, what would I want to look into? And it was like, guess what? I've got the product for you. 
This is it. All of this. Plus premium security features like threat protection and double VPN and the ability to access geoblock services such as AEW Plus. A standard two-year plan with Nord costs $3.08 a month when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling. You get four bonus months on top of all two-year plans when you sign up using our code. Try it and get your money back within 30 days if you're not satisfied. Again, $3.08 a month when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling. Check the link in the description. Sign up with code postwrestling and get yourself some bonus months and let Nord know you found them through post. Okay, well, you've scared me into getting this product. I didn't realize I was uh, just putting my phone out there for the world to take. I mean, that's I'm going to get on this right now, and I know where to go. So thank you very much, Way, for that heads up. Okay, well, let's uh, chat a little bit about the mailbag show that is coming on Thursday. Ask Away is back for the month of October. We are going to be answering all of your questions from forum.postwrestling.com. And of course, we take your audio questions too, which are free to send and you don't even have to get them encrypted. You can send them to us clean at memo.fm slash postwrestling. We will be getting to all of your questions. We have quite a few already. So um, if you want to send them in, last call is out there. Uh, We'll be putting this out on Thursday afternoon slash evening for everybody to check out always one of our favorite shows of the month to do where we get to go into many many different directions and you are the conductors we are merely the passengers i love all of our shows but yeah this one might be my favorite to do as well a variety of topics and a lot of great questions typically from our post wrestling audience so uh listen to that this weekend another quick plug though for our charity auction that's going on right now for our friends at real digital uh, at charitybuzz.com slash MMM2. This is your chance to jump the line and pick your own edition of Rewind Away. You get to be a guest on uh, on the episode, and we will review any wrestling or MMA event that you choose, along with some bonus merch items courtesy of Robert Pearson. So we've already got one bid there, John, $250. So you think you can do better? Well, simply go to charitybuzz.com slash MMM2. This is in support of the Doe Fund. So the auction is up until November 7th. Uh, get your bids in right now. Yes, this is a very cool uh, organization that you will be supporting. And my God, I, I would like to get one of these t-shirts. So maybe I'll have to make a bid as well. So great prize pack and your choice of a future wrestling slash MMA card that we will review for Rewind Away Access. So check out all of that. And Final thing we will note, uh, we have four cafe shows coming up over the next couple of days. Besides Ask Away, Rewind to SmackDown on Friday, Collision Course back on Saturday after the Kenny Omega MJF match with Kate and John Ceno. And then on Sunday, MCU later, and we're going to have coverage of Fighting Spirit Unleashed on the weekend. And Braden Harrington, WH Park, sitting down to watch the Funk Brothers from 1983, taking on Stan Hansen and Terry Gordy in Terry Funk's most famous of his many retirement matches when you're putting together the top 10 terry funk retirements this is probably number one on the list so check that out on the long and winding royal road and that concludes the long and winding royal plugs so go to postwrestling.com as we are now sending you to the leacora center in philadelphia pennsylvania more than 5200 tickets distributed they had a a pretty good uh, push for tickets over the last week with the addition of okada and it seems like that has been the it's like cramming for the test at the at the end and AEW they they get out the promotions they get out the the deals some stars here and there and they do make these these last minute pushes and this was you know 
5,200 people, like very respectable number. You, at this point, it has to be strategic, right? You know, the, these late announcements, including MJF versus Kenny three days out. I mean, I would, I would not, it, it would not be my call if I was doing MJF and Kenny Omega to do it on such short notice. I would have wanted that out like a week prior, just because that is a really important big match. But I mean, they, they may have the, Intel that states that, you know, you make something, you, you do it in closer proximity to the show, and it's going to be that that last minute buzz and push. Like, they certainly have their 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 reasoning for it. Um, now, all that is to say, I believe this would be the lowest number they've done at the Leah Chorus Center, which has been a consistent venue they've been running right since the beginning of Dynamite. But it was, it was definitely a move up. Like, last week, they had that big movement for the Rosenberg, Texas show with, with Mystico. Uh, but this was above that as well, but also a, a bigger market. And the, this is going to be the market that is flooded uh, next April with, uh, with WrestleMania weekend. So mm-hmm. getting into Philadelphia that many months early, we started off cold with Renee young backstage, Renee Paquette uh, with MJF. And he goes to FaceTime or, or call Adam Cole on speakerphone and Adam answers, but Roderick strong in the kingdom appear in Philadelphia with MJF. And Cole just says, he hears Roderick and I'll talk to you later. And that was our involvement of Adam Cole this week. They ran out of uh, video material. They ran everything. <laughs> they, they, they only shot the three or four. Yes. That's Are it. you, were you sad you didn't get um, peanut butter and jelly this week? Um, I, I wasn't at all. I thought they ended it on a, on a really, really spectacular <laughs> low note last week that how, how could you bottom out further? So Strong accuses MJF of being the man under the devil mask, but offers his help to MJF, and he is rolled away in the wheelchair. MJF is not interested in the help, and then he cuts a big promo that he is sending a message in blood tonight. Juice tried to send him a message a few weeks ago to make me feel small and lesser than, and I've got a bullet with your name on it, and I'm not going to miss tonight. So tune into the match. He's going to kill the man. And then we cut... To the dude in the double mask, whoever this is, and we just went to static. Yeah, just another, um, I guess, war- I don't know, warning that that this this man in the devil mask could be MJF, could not be MJF, is still looming and attached to a lot of MJF segments. So, I can, I guess, the the in universe belief among everybody, including the Kingdom and, and Roderick Strong here, is that oh, this is just MJF in the mask, but um. It's up to the audience to decide. So, you know, I, I find it really interesting here. MJF continues to um, cut his promos tonight and proceeded to wrestle his match as if that quarters promo was still very much a thing active in this particular storyline. Like he's going into this match fighting an anti-Semite, um, but obviously no allusions to the particular moment um, explicitly, at least. Yeah, I mean, again, you can certainly if you want to read into it that way, you that they've given you the opportunity to, but they're also not throwing that at you that you have, like mm-hmm. you can also be kind of like disengaged from that aspect of the story. If you don't want to like read into the references here, but they're, they're there. They're just being much more, would you say subtle about it or just, I wouldn't say so subtle, especially it's, a, it's not so subtle in the match. Um, yeah, like, you know, AEW has, like, suffered, I would say, a good deal of negative PR to me, uh, like, attached to this entire storyline. Um, at the same time, I can see, like, somebody like an MJF feeling like, hey, I want to finish the story that I want to, to tell, especially if you already got that scene ahead, you know? So he's attacking 
this match, at least with Juice Robinson, with the same amount of anger that might be expected of somebody who, you know, would have been on the receiving end of that promo. Yeah, they're like, they all had to sit down. They were like, guys, the Heat got too out of control and we have to worry about, you know, families are watching this and it might send the wrong vibe out there. So let's just let's just park that for now and uh, let's get back to pro wrestling. Now, we're going to consider uh, all ideas on the table for the the tease of a child abduction and home invasion. OK, let's get back to our our pro wrestling content for, for the night. MJF and Juice Robinson for the dynamite diamond ring. MJF trying to hold on to this ring for the fifth year in a row. And they mention how Juice wants to pawn this thing off. And Taz says, I know a guy with a pawn shop in Philadelphia. A subtle reference to uh, Todd Gordon. And MJF immediately attacks and goes after him here. And catapults Juice into the post and busts up Juice. So we uh, Robinson juiced and we get blood instantly in this match. And then he places Juice's mouth onto the stairs and was going to curb stomp his face and basically remove his teeth but he was stopped by the guns who distracted thankfully yeah this was i i would say to me like um <laughs> the most um direct allusion to like um this being revenge for something that that was a racially motivated sort of like attack because i mean a curb stomp um famously depicted in american history x is <laughs> sort of like a a known weapon of like you know people committing hate crime and and specifically like you know white supremacy so him pulling this out i was like holy shit um but it was to me like almost like a, a direct you know allusion to the overarching theme of this entire match subtle or not jay white came out and he's on commentary and mjf is just firing away and he puts up his hands he's got juice's blood on his hands and then from this serious tone, we go to the kangaroo kick that he connects with. And um, was that in uh, American History X? I don't know yeah. if uh, yeah, Ed Norton pulled that one out. Hmm. Does the kip up and the crowd pops. He shakes the ropes and then the guns trip MJF. Juice connects with the left hand of God and a power bomb for a two count. Blocks the heat seeker. And then it's MJF with a dive onto the guns. Rakes the eyes of Juice that leads to a he's our scumbag chant. And with Bryce distracted... Both men place their rings on their fingers. Juice misses. MJF nails him as well as the guns before hitting the heat seeker and pinning Juice in 15 minutes and three seconds. Finishing the story. Keeps the ring for four years now in a row. Uh, this will be year five with it. Year five, yeah. Um, I thought the match was was fine. Um, I, 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 I thought it had equal parts. Um very serious with the again the subtext of a man fighting against um something as serious as racial intolerance and then you had elements of um being you know your usual playful mjf babyface vibe with the kangaroo kick and the tj max ring and and all that and um by the end i i ended up feeling pretty neutral about it all i i didn't necessarily think the match nor program were great nor did i think it was awful so um it was just a build-up has uh, this has all of this helped hurt or are you indifferent to what this is building to that being the the jay white uh program i think it's taken a lot of attention away from the jay white program i mean there there, a lot of things are taking attention away from the jay white program um that of all the mjf sort of like list of things that people are talking about i would say that's pretty far down the bottom at this point at least yeah, it's interesting that you are introducing all of these different challenges for MJF. And I think that the 
least engaged people are with is the one you have to pay for in a month's time. And they do have a lot of time to to ramp it up. Yeah. You know, they got maybe, three weeks. Well, okay, yeah. So, um, they do have time. Three weeks, you know, is still uh, enough. Um, so maybe Jay White can cut a really offensive promo, and uh, we'll be talking about that instead. It's a three-on-one attack when Roderick comes down and sends the kingdom in to help MJF, but they are fought off. White enters, and they go to attack with the ring. When the acclaimed come down, they chase off the Bang Bang Gang, and Jay tells MJF to forget about Joe, forget about Omega, forget about Wardlow, only focus on the man who took your belt, and you'll never get your hands on it again. And with that, Colton Gunn issues a challenge to face MJF for the ROH tag titles at full gear. So MJF accepts, compares Jay White to Jack Sparrow, and issues his own challenge for an eight-man tag next week. And when I win, I'm going to get my belt back. So it will be MJF with three partners, and they've sort of introduced all these options that MJF has, but he has not committed to any of them. In fact, he has like turned down some of these offers. So that's left hanging who he will pick as his partners. Uh, but it looks like we're going to get the same deal as we did at Wrestle Dream with MJF working twice and defending the tag titles against the guns. Right. Yeah. In a tag team match with a partner to be determined. Um, and possibly Roderick Strong in this in this spot that you, they might be teasing. Right. You would think for the buy in again. Yeah, I guess if they found that to be an effective tool of putting MJF on the buy-in, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't see it as a big hook for me personally. Like I, Either. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it is what it is. I, I, I mean, I just see it as another maybe storytelling element. If it's going to be a Roderick Strong, um, uh, this one being very different, I guess, from your last match because you ended up um like you it was it was mjf and cole going for the titles teaming up and then the two of them facing each other in the main event this at this point just feels like maybe a tech title defense that may or may not be you know um maybe substantial match um but it it just kind of added to the list of like you know things that they have set up for mjf coming off of this first 30 minutes of the show. Yeah. This guy's got like a year of programs that are all happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Strong is yelling for Max's attention. So we've gone from Adam to Max and says, it's obvious that you'll pick us. And MJF tells him to roll off a cliff. You bland bitch. So with that, that rejection, Max Caster assumes, well, you're picking us then. And MJF explains, I never liked you, Max, and I wouldn't tag with you if I was on fire, which I wouldn't be in a wrestling match with anyone if I was on fire. Yeah, that's the last thing you'd want to do is touch somebody when you're on fire. Yeah, I'd be like, dude, get, get away, away from, from me. Stop, drop, and roll. So Caster wants to scissor, but MJF closes the scissors and walks away. So he has turned down both sets of uh, trios here. Kenny Omega walks out, uh, lost his shirt on the way to the ring, and uh, stared at MJF. Like this, lo- this looks like a Harlequin novel cover. Look at these two. I agree that sure. They they stare at one another, and he says that MJF has something he wants, but Omega has something that you want, and said, "I lost my chance with a live mic once I lost that title." Like, what? He came out here with a live mic. Like what? You haven't is talked. That, in- is that is that what he said? That's what he said. He I said, lost, I lost chance a chance at a live mic once I lost that belt. I don't know. I I I didn't hear it 
clear, clearly Correct enough. me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what Whatever. he said. Okay. He says he deserves the right to defend his streak. And then in the, uh, the immortal words here, well, gee, golly, gosh, don't be afraid to show it. <laughs> that's what they'll use for the promo. I'm sure. So it's the cleaner versus the devil on Saturday. They shake on it, and then it's Omega who pulls in Max and says, three days, bitch. Mm-hmm. I like the three days, bitch. That's a, that's probably a, a band uh, from the 90s. Three days, bitch. <laughs> they should sell shirts on Saturday. Tonight, three bitch. <laughs> sure. Uh, I... I th- you you question you know them putting a match this big on free TV uh, on three days notice and maybe why this might not have been set up a, a bit earlier when you do know that the streak um you know is when when that was going to come up, um but it's a big big match a lot of expectations I'm sure for this um, uh, the ratings for this edition of Collision. Yeah, it's. Again, they are going up against uh, Game Two of the World Series, so that's that's fairly big that they've got. Plus, it's it's college football, but this is um, I would argue like of the matches you have, like that you can actually make. Like, yes, you could argue, okay, Okada and Danielson or Osprey and Danielson, but those aren't realistic matches you can put together. If the people on your weekly roster, I think this uh, is as big as those. Like, it's oh. a first time match. It's yeah, there aren't too many of these kinds of combinations that you have at your disposal. So mm-hmm. um, this will be an interesting test to see what they do with it on Saturday. And as well, if there's an angle coming out of this that um, there's if, there's going to be an angle like everything is. is well, do we do, to, do you get a satisfying finish uh, to, to this? I I wouldn't say it's 100 percent for sure. You know, both of them need need protection. This is, again, a TV match. So I think they have enough of it out to be able to, you know, say they could even do a draw, which typically leaves yeah. people a lot more satisfied. Um, does he even have the championship right now? Jay White has it, right? Um, Yeah, he doesn't have the title on him. So how are they going to put the title on the line with no physical belt? Is there? Yeah, that's a great question. They haven't uh, they haven't shored that one up. He can't get the belt hmm. back till this eight man tag next week. They did this all in reverse. Eight man tag should have been tonight. So one of five matches set up for uh, MJF tonight. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 got a busy schedule. Mm-hmm. Wardlow vignette. He went into a dark place for four months, being at home. He says, "I wasn't hurt and I wasn't on vacation," which kind of requires an explanation. Well, what what was it then? What are we led to believe? Um, just wasn't used, wasn't booked. Well, that's not what he said, though. Is that what we're to believe? Like, why wasn't he booked? It's a good question. He's he was sick of seeing MJF succeed and people cheering him on and watch watch the man he beat headline the biggest card ever. And he says that there is nothing left for MJF to take from Wardlow. So now he will take everything from MJF. Mm -hmm. Meaning his title, I guess the ring, his friendships, his pickles. Um, What else could he take? Um, cat? Doesn't he have a cat? He does have a cat. I don't think he's going to put that up for grabs. Where does this rank on you? Uh, for for you, John, of uh of the MJF um sort of agenda, you know, uh the uh, the future Wardlow match. Where does that this rank? This is a TV match at present, right? I would I would we will get into this, but you would have to think that there's going to be a really big match for MJF now in this on this Long Island pay per view. Yeah, certainly it could be Wardlow. 
and you could do Wardlow. I mean, in that, like, if you are, well, I would say at this point, I, I wouldn't be too worried about Wardlow being cheered over MJF anywhere. But Long Island, it's going to be exceptionally all MJF. It's a long time, though. You know, December 30th. Yeah, it's two months away. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. Is there any, like, worry of, of I, I guess, you know, having MJF be, have so many, having so many of the, these opponents, um, is there a worry that the finishes for these matches are going to be telegraphed when you've got so many opponents already lined up? Um, well, I would say for, for Saturday, I, I think that's not as big of an issue. I think that these are all, like, big matches that, I think if you have a, a strong, compelling match that people will buy into it, the idea that a Kenny Omega could just beat an MJF, I think that's that's a viable finish for people. I, I think it's a tougher sell for people with like a Jay White, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's an issue either. I mean, we they, they can always book a shocking surprise finish. We just saw it with Lyra Val- Valkyria and uh, Becky Lynch and poor Zia Lee, you know, being left out in, in the cold after having her her program already set up. So, sure. Are you expecting them to go back after making such a big deal about the whole bidding war deal? Do you think they just like shut that down? Does that resurface towards the end of the year? Like everything was building towards that. And there's not a peep about like, I don't think anyone believes MJF is leaving at this point. I don't know about that. Do we know when the actual contract is up? I mean, it's I mean, they've I have a hard time imagining that there is not something in place given what his role everything is built around this guy i, I don't dispute that i i just meant simply for the audience and for the public and to be able to tell the story i, I oh no no like there's like there's been no like mm-hmm. announcement of that it's but it's, it's like how do you time. even play that how does your top baby face play up like i'm thinking of leaving like i don't even know how you do that story in the you could do that story no you can be like you know um bret hart you know going to wcw in 1997 you're you are kind of being forced to leave and and it's not necessarily your choice, but you know, for the benefit of your career. And then you need, then you need a heel that's pushing him out. There are plenty of heels that might be pushing him out. Well, it could only be one person. You want Tony Khan in this role. Like, and why would he be pushing MJF out of the company? Yeah. I think it's a really tough story to tell at this point. And at a time when I wouldn't want to be making WWE uh, as, you know, the company that my top guy is considering going to. Because it's such a big thing in AEW and, and such a big thing attached to MJF's character, I don't think they drop it. I, I think you'll at least see a mention of it, even if it's just like, you know, squashing it and saying, I'm a babyface now, I'm going to be AEW for life. We just tune you into know. Collision one week and there's him signing a piece of paper. I'm signed for five years. That's it's all done. Good. Well, John Silver, Alex Reynolds against Hook and Rob Van Dam. Uncle Rob, as Taz mentions, a very big reaction for Van Dam here in Philadelphia coming out to walk. And Reynolds blindsides RVD. Dark Order takes over. Evil Uno's getting involved. And then Hook is outnumbered during the break, so they work on him. Van Dam's in to hit the rolling thunder on Silver. And then Uno misses Van Dam with a chair, and that leads to the Van Daminator. Lays out Reynolds, five-star frog splash, and he pins Alex. Or, sorry, he hits the frog splash on Reynolds, but Silver is legal. So uh, Hook applies the red rum and submits Silver in 7.56. And the announcer said that... I think we saw a smile on Hook. They caught him smiling for just a second, and that's where Taz mentioned, well, (laughs) he's with Uncle Rob. Uncle Rob. I love it. Uncle Rob. Yeah. Van Dam looked really good as he has, you know, this entire time. Um, Anytime he's he's shown up in AEW. So I tag crowd love to see him. I think he's the kind of person that you can use sparingly. I don't think this needs to be a regular featured character, but 
every now and then he can just drop into the world of AEW when it makes sense. And I think a tag scenario where he's with Hook, it's a great person to pair him with. Do we are we at the point now where we could be should be telling bigger stories with Rob Van Dam beyond just these sort of, you know, occasional tags? Uh, my issue is that I just feel that, like there's such a wave of our 45, 50 year old performers mm-hmm. that I, I feel we need to be getting away from so much of the focus on some of these people. And Rob Van Dam would not make my cut of somebody that I would be carving out storylines for and extra time for. It just, it feels like this company, it's certainly got a perception now of being like, it doesn't have necessarily the feel of like, these are all the young, hot stars of tomorrow. Like they've got an aspect of that, but it's, it's certainly more divided now to me. Mm. Obviously, you know, the expectation would be to have a user Rob Van Dam to further a hook to to make hook, you know, sort of like the center of attention. Mm. I'm sure there's a way of doing it, but he I don't know Hook's feeling like the center of attention, at least not maybe in a match like this. Well, maybe we'll get them at home. Uncle Rob and nephew Hook. With mm. with Taz. Yeah, hanging sure. out. Out of nowhere, they just state that Tony Storm is going to challenge for the women's title at full gear, and it's going to be promoted as the Hollywood Homecoming. So she's going to be a giant babyface in uh, at the Kia Forum in in LA. We go to the back, and there is RJ City, and it's our throw to the newest film, Hold That Butler. As we go to picture in picture, and we get a voiceover for the Dodge Ram over top of this and it was still on the full screen for this and i thought this was starting the video but it was for a truck ad then we get the reveal during this film that the butler is luther yes i bear i i could not recognize luther without that um i guess face pain and all this stuff you know the man cleans up really well looks like a very good butler he's got a he's got a role Got a role, yeah. I I like having Luther attached to Tony Storm as I you would expect his muscle. Um, so I I don't know how much of the short film, silent film you actually saw, but like she was talking about wanting to leave Philadelphia, and it seems to me that they're suggesting that she's leading towards being a heel. You would certainly maybe expect that as well if she's going to be facing Hikaru Shida. So um, good luck with that. Well, yeah, I in know, L.A. But, with, calling the this Hollywood homecoming. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the fact that she has like a, you know, a, a big, large man as as a, a manager, essentially, that could get involved in her matches um, also seems to suggest that she'll be working as a heel. But you're right. Like, it, she'll be, you know, it'll be an uphill battle fighting against some of those reactions. So let's see how they play it. Shivani is in the ring and calls this the greatest wrestling city in the world. And welcomes out. I mean, this guy's going to be called on on it next time he tries this. He's not a man who um, historically has shied away from uh, um, hyperbolic statements. Yeah. He welcomes out Sting and Darby Allen. Darby coming off of a nitro circus has his arm in a sling. And Sting takes the mic. Thanks Philadelphia. Mentions his history here. And he thanks Darby. Couldn't have come this far without him. He's the best partner I've ever had. And then Sting starts like, he's had some weird interactions with these fans. He's like, oh, I heard you. I heard you say, oh, like he wouldn't be my best partner. But yeah, he he's my best partner. <laughs> this was when Tony like was I'm Tony in the back and Tony like uh, in the ring. We're probably thinking, OK, like we have a lot to get through in this segment. So wrap it up, Sting. 
He also thanks Tony Khan for making this happen. And this is where he says, Tony wants me to give the mic back. So he has to forfeit the mic. And he says, a con, Tony Schiavone was the one who, man, did he get into this? He says, Tony Khan should be thanking you and mentioned Sting putting TBS on the map 35 years ago, putting us into all those cable homes, making Ted Turner a rich man based off your Clash of the Champions match. And Shivani signals for the special gift that Tony Khan has bought for Sting. He has secured <laughs> a man. He has bought Ric Flair. And out comes Flair, his AEW debut. And, um, well, first of all, your, your thoughts here on Ric Flair coming to AEW, something that was expected uh, a number of years ago. And it was thought at the time that the the whole dark side of the ring episode and the accusations were what was going to stop that and i mean hmm. this would certainly I, I certainly saw like you know there was definitely that brought up tonight of rick flair be- being used here but i would also state that this is kind of par for the course that we have seen in many examples where once the heat dies down they felt it was fine to use flair and i think that's that was the thinking here yeah um i i don't know how much of a of a discussion that is anymore. Whenever I've seen Ric Flair brought up recently, um, I really wasn't on Twitter today, so I, I couldn't see a lot of the reaction myself, but um, certainly when you look at the crowd reaction, I mean, the people just see Ric Flair, you know, legendary Ric Flair inside an AEW ring. Um, I think it was newsworthy because of, you know, the man, when was the last time the man other than maybe for his own match appeared in any promotion outside of the WWE, you know, DMWA last last year showed up for their anniversary show. <laughs> okay, I, d- d- a good point. Um, but to me, like I think, and maybe most audiences' minds, the the man is very much tied to the WWE. Um, showed up, you know, shows up intermittently, uh, whether attached to Charlotte or at their hall, halls of fame. Mm-hmm. So this felt like it was a, a, a maybe a, a deserved sort of like holy. You've shit got all the moment. parts now for his final final match. You know, teams with Andrade against Jared and Lethal again. And those um, thing in there. Well, you certainly got the way they worded this is like this. This was not just a one, a one shot cameo. Like it sounds like this guy is going to be a regular fixture throughout this retirement run. Yeah. So what what do you mean? What do you think that means? OK, he said he, can he I... was purchased to be Sting's <laughs> like lackey for the next like three, four months. Right. OK, so he I got a bought you a man. Well, that's essentially what you're a in charge is. of Ric Flair for the next four months. You've got to get him from town to town. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's... that's the look on Sting's face. Um, Sting. Um, <laughs> so listen, if Sting knew that Ric Flair was coming out here, the man deserves an Emmy because his reaction was like it would. I would totally buy the idea that they kept this away from Sting and he had no idea that Flair was coming out here because there, there was really nothing for, for Sting to have to do in this segment. So it's not as though he needed uh, to be necessarily clued in that they could have done this as a legit surprise. Um, I just, I saw his reaction. I'm like, St- Sting's definitely a much significantly improved uh, actor performer in the latter stages of his career, but I don't know if he's this good because he looked just stunned. It looked very genuine to me. So, yeah. Um, Look at this guy. We've never seen that. That Like, this guy has had, like, the range of Keanu Reeves before. And look <laughs> at this man. I mean, that's just a different uh, 
range for Steve Borden. I, I mean, and, and the warm embrace that the two shared in ring felt very genuine as well. Maybe a, a first time or at least first time in a long time type of meeting between the two on TVS, no less. Flair speaks about magical moments and the clash match that they had going against WrestleMania and how Sting lived up to all of the potential, became one of the greatest wrestlers, one of the biggest celebrities, and the nicest guy I ever met. And he wants to come along for the ride. When's this retirement, Sting? When is it? March? Sting's like, I don't know. We haven't announced a date yet. And uh, and then he gave a chop to Sting. And um, so that that was the, the introduction of Ric Flair. And yeah, this is... I don't know. What, what do you think about this move? Like, as I just talked about, like kind of these, these older figures that are on your television. Now, Ric Flair, I, I would hope that the, the man will not be wrestling, but I can't say no to that uh, completely. I can um, see him campaigning for oh, it. Perhaps. I, and I can see you... Tony at least considering it, given just how much reverence he gives to, you know, all these guys. So <laughs> last, last match. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to see it with a sting. Yeah, what do I think about this move? I mean, I think it's apropos for, you know, a, a, a sting sort of like closing of his career. I would not have expected him to be along for the ride, whatever that's supposed to be. You know, I would expect a, an appearance. This is something I would have night. done for like a one night thing. Like, and I would have mm-hmm. done a bunch of these in the lead up to March. Like not every week, but every so often bring someone from his past for a cool on-screen moment. I don't know if I need to see Ric Flair every single week. I think yeah. it's a really odd pairing here like him and darby like just seem to have like negative things in common you don't know that you don't um, see uh uh Rick if Flair this at, guy shows up at like a skate park with you don't darby. think rick flair's gonna be at nitro circus the next time it's in charlotte oh could be um yeah i mean i mean we will see what um like the strength of flair at this point is what like doing these crazy problems I guess so. Like doing some of these like meet and greets at these shows, or um, maybe they're thinking like it's especially if you're going to book a lot of kind of Jim Crockett promotion towns in this lead up to the retirement. I mean, you you can understand having a, a flair uh, attached to this whole thing. I guess we'll just wait and see. I just to me this feels like something that there's a nostalgia for for one night. I don't know how we'll feel for four months of flair on television you'll get woos like in every any town that that flair shows up in like it's an automatic pop from you know wrestling fans of course um <laughs> wrestling is a very real possibility yeah i know we kind of work through that that probability christian cage interrupts with luchasaurus and nick wayne he mocks tony khan a billionaire and this is the gift he got a suit gold chains and a black liver Makes a weekend at Bernie's joke and says, if there was a God, then Flair would have been dead 20 years ago. And then makes fun of Darby's broken arm and being in his hometown. It seemed like Christian, like he kind of got like messed up here in his promo because it made it sound like he he put up the belt. Like, I'm going to give you a chance at this. And then kind of had to, it sounded like he was going to challenge him here in Philadelphia and then kind of like just worded it and got away from that. Hmm. Put in his Phillies joke here, which he kind of like stumbled on. But the second the crowd heard Phillies, they were just irate. And Christian wants Sting gone now, not waiting until revolution. So he challenges Sting and Darby to go find a partner. And it's going to be a funeral at full gear. And Sting's come back. Achoo. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I'm allergic to jackasses. And man, if ever you want to hear what the definition of a respectful chuckle is, that's what this crowd provided. 64-year-old sting of the uh, ultimate like dad grandpa joke here. Oh my god. I'm allergic to jackasses. Yikes. This man has no fear. He was a bit cooler when he was just up in the Raptors, not talking at all. So, um, yeah, and the obvious tease is Adam Copeland being the sixth man that they are actively pushing, but Adam Copeland remaining steadfast. He will not fight Christian. Right. Yeah, I mean, I just see that, of course, as, you know, a long-term build delaying it. But uh, what are we getting here? Six man, Christian, Nick Wayne, Luchasaurus versus Darby Sting. And I guess, yeah, they're campaigning to get Edge involved. Or maybe it'll be Flair. I mean, if if Adam's not ready to go, then, uh, you know, Ric Flair is going to be bringing his gear every single week to mm-hmm. whatever city they go to. Renee does a sit down with Chris Jericho. He can never remember getting a beat down like he got from Hobbs two weeks ago. But the thing that hurt the most was his ego and is asked about reflecting on his career. Maybe this is time. He's always had immense self-confidence, but didn't see this coming with Hobbs. And he questions if he has what it takes to beat someone the level of Hobbs, or maybe I step back, get even stronger and confident because this is who I am and go for revenge. And then Jericho mentions that Don Callis has a family. Well, I've got a lot of friends too. And some of those friends are even bigger than powerhouse Hobbs. Maybe it's time I give them a call. Like who are these friends of yours that are bigger than powerhouse Hobbs? I can think of one on the roster. Paul White. Yeah, <laughs> the return of Jarrah Show, Big Show versus Powerhouse Hobbs. I think the few that we've all been, you know, waiting for 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 the years. Right? This is, um, you, you're you are not destroying my my argument against <laughs> the youth movement here with some of these ideas of where um, we're going. Let's think about this. Who who are the other candidates that Jericho His has big been friends? Yeah, I have no idea. Hobbs is a very big man. Uh, would you consider? I mean, Hager would be a disappointment, I think. And I don't even know if he's as big as who? Powerhouse Hobbs. Jake Hager. Oh, Hager. I thought he said Taker. I was like, I don't think he's doing this. <laughs> I don't he's, think he's showing he's, up. He's, he's recording Patreon shows on Wednesdays. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Um, let's think about this. Let's not. Okay. All right. He'll, he'll have somebody. The Hung Bucks against the Hardys and Brothers Day for the ROH six-man titles. This, this turned into like a like a, an entertaining 10-minute match. They had the advantage on uh, Matt Jackson during the picture-in-picture. Picture. He hits a double Northern Lights onto Matt and Brother Zay. Uh, Zay was like, he was just flying all over the place uh, throughout this match. I thought he got like a nice spotlight here uh, and can kind of compensate for like Matt and Jeff, who should be in small doses in this. I think like you can really see like this is... Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, they're, it's, they're trying it's to play gap. on. They're trying to play on the magic of you know the Bucks versus the Hardys in. They just can't go no, at that level. No. So Nick is in. Um, so first we had a, a rolling jackknife, and then Hangman goes into the dead eye, but avoids using it as Jeff Hardy gives the the assist, so Brother Zay can hit the silly string and manages to hit it. And they they're we haven't seen that one in a while. Uh, Nick hits super kicks onto all three. There's a twist of fate onto Matt Jackson. Then Matt Hardy's in with another one. Swanton, Nick makes the save. Matt Hardy avoids the Meltzer driver by escaping. And then Zay goes for the springboard into the buckshot lariat. The Hardys are super kicked off the apron, and it ends with the BTE trigger and Matt Jackson pinning Brother Zay in 10.05 as they retain the ROH six-man tag titles. I thought it was a fun match. You know, um, got this crowd... Pretty hot reacting for it. So 
Um, Six-man title defense. I don't have much more to say about it because all my thoughts are about the closing angle here. Well, we go to the screen and Prince Nana appears and he is at Hangman Page's house with Swerve, who gets to walk in the door and say, whose house? And they're wandering around in this, I guess, um, this unoccupied home, I would say. Like there was obviously some very sound sleepers in the hangman household. Um, He starts look at like 9 p.m. I guess that that was this live. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course it it was live. I guess so. He's looking at the the child's paintings and rips it up. Very heinous action. And then they hear someone. So they acknowledge that they are filming this. So we do have that uh, covered. And suddenly the camera is placed over a crib. And this is where Hangman looks down, mentioning that Hangman owes him a debt. And he's not going to, he's not going to abduct the child. Swerve looks down at the baby presumably and tells the baby presumably yes maybe this is a a, all a swerve uh and leaves the baby with a shirt as a sign of the debt that is owed to him and prince nana is getting concerned it's like we got to get out of here we are like filming a you know significant prison time for what we are doing here um on national television so they take off and uh that is the tease so hangman in the arena i mean i guess like what are your options here but his his number one idea was I'm going to sprint from Philadelphia to Virginia and maybe I'll get there in time. Or, or he could have been sprinting to get to his phone, John, so that he could contact his wife. Who's she's not going to wake quietly. up. You think she's going to, she's not going to wake up to a phone. It's very true. You know, like sound machines, you might have a lot of white noise. I mean, I can imagine her being very tired. So, well, listen, he's going to call somebody, okay? Um, home break-ins at this point in wrestling, John, are um, – they're almost a bit of a trope, aren't they? You know, They're kind of an initiation. Like you're you're part yeah. of the big angle club. You're not a real wrestler unless your home has been broken into by a, you know, a, a fellow wrestler. Um, like he made it. <laughs> they I, – I think for the most part though, like whenever they happen, they come across kind of – almost like a little comedic. You know what I mean, John? Like, like not that serious. I thought this was different, okay? I thought this was a lot more chilling, and so much of that comes down to the way it was shot, Blair Witch style here with, with you know, person holding the camera, and just, I think, how good Swerve continues to be in these sort of, like, movie villain type types of roles. I, I think this was, like, the Nick Wayne attack taken to the next level, and I loved Hangman's reaction live in Arena for it. I thought it was really well done. Who do you think decorated this child's uh, nursery? John Cena? what's wrong with it like nothing like no color no like pictures why do you need color well why do you need any of that what i mean it's just i don't know it's just they they might be a very minimalistic you know couple maybe the baby has no real baby doesn't even know what colors are yet well yeah i i thought swerve was like very very good in in this role to to that point I, i i think the home invasions are like it's really hard to pull me out of just um the, the silliness of it all that we are watching this, but uh, I mean, for his part, it was, it was good. It gives, it gives hangman a reason to be, uh to be mad next week. Broke into my house, almost stole my kid. So. <laughs> they needed a, a, a way to escalate this feud. To the Look next. what this guy's done in the last few months. Like he, he, he broke into Nick Wayne's gym and assaulted the man mm-hmm. FaceTimed. 
uh, his buddy. Now he yeah. broke into a home here. I know. I, I mean, he and Christian should really think about teaming up again. Renee is with Adam Copeland to react to <laughs> we come back. It's like, we need your reaction. She's in such a serious mode, not from the baby that was nearly abducted, yeah. but uh, what happened with a uh, sting and the challenge by Christian. Well, and, really like, edge edge would be an expert. Like, on I've, the been matter. I've, I've, yeah. I've been a victim of this. They had his I, orange I, I, juice dragged by me. poor Seth, yeah. Roll, Seth Rollins here. So. I had to call FTR on Fox. That's, that's it. He says, I still won't fight Christian. So Darby and sting enter. And Darby says, don't be stupid. You came here for this fairy tale ending. Did you see what I did to Nick Wayne last week? It's kill or be killed around here. MJF was about to shoot a man tonight. And he mentions uh, attacking Nick Wayne. So then Sting, Sting just like, step aside, Darby. It's my turn here. Like this guy just, you know, let me talk. Been a mute for so much of my career. He tells, he tells Adam, take off your blinders. I've been in your place. I went up and down the road with Luger and he sees right through Christian. You need to open your eyes before it's too late. And then he tells Adam, we go way back. It's like to where, where do you two go? So back with you've never been together anywhere to to three weeks ago. Didn't you see it, John? (laughs) Don't mess it up. We go way back. Don't mess it up. What does that mean? I mean, we I guess we we don't know what sort of a you know off camera um, relationship these two might have had over the years. They they might be best of friends. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think Sting just talks and just whatever comes out, he just makes it sound he's confident in what he is saying, whether it's uh, logical or not. But yeah, he goes way back with with Adam, but not as way back as Adam goes with Christian. But um, we will see the pay per views in three weeks, and uh, that's that's the tease. Uh, yep, slow build to, towards, I guess, um, you know, Edge finally going up against Christian. Um, I, I, I definitely do maybe sense some of your criticism of like maybe there being a lot of uh, maybe one too many people on their second careers at this point um, involved in too many of these storylines, taking away some of the, the attention away from, you know, people like a Darby Allen. And Dar- is Darby going to be ready? He he was announced. I love Christian made the challenge to them, and it was like, well, of course, Flair's not going to be in this match, but of course, Darby will. This guy yeah. who's got the yes, I'm sure this man is going to wrestle in three weeks. Okay, and again, like I am not against the idea of like having that that legendary figure. There's totally a role for it. It's just when they are, it becomes such a such an, a a number of them that are out of. Like we just have so many of them, it feels like. And I, I totally get that feel now when I'm watching mm-hmm. AEW and just so many of them that are spread out that the big legend, it, it just stands out less. Hikaru Shida, Ruby Soho for the AEW women's title. Excalibur mentions Hangman has left the arena. We will relay any updates. Yes, I'm sure Hangman will be texting Excalibur, the, the state of his child, as he's running to Virginia. No future is hit to Sheeta on the floor. We go through the break. Soho takes off the turnbuckle pad and then grabs the spray paint behind Aubrey's back and then pretends that Sheeta sprayed her in the face, to which the announcers yell, well, look at her face. There's no paint on her face. So Ruby then rolls to the floor, grabs the women's title, comes into the ring, and Sheeta goes to spray paint her in the face, which she was just protesting. I didn't spray paint her in the face, then goes to spray paint her in the face. And Ruby puts the title up and she spray paints the title. And Sheeta's like, oh, no, what have I done to my title? I've spray painted it. 
this was like one of the most convoluted spots and it's not even over. Please continue. We're only halfway through. Oh, then we go into a near fall. Sheeta responds with the katana. No, 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 no. no. Okay. So, so Soho blocks the spray paint with the um, title only to um, pull out her wrist tape to choke Sheeta with into the destination unknown. I mean, this was like five different. Um, heel tactics strung together in some sort of like I don't know Tony Hawk's pro skater like combo. Um, and the crowd buckle, reacted to none of it. Like they turn, were not into this. Like the most one of the most convoluted things I've I've seen. Like turnbuckle into the spray paint into the eddy spot into the, t- the title belt into a wrist tape. Um, all to like very little reaction at all. I mean, it was there, quite there's the way. There's just again like it's everything in a certain moderation. But we have so much interference when we have so many of these behind the ref back spots like they're just they're groan inducing like they don't produce any heat because they're done in such frequency and i just think like it almost becomes this race like how can we do the most convoluted sequence that people will buy the near fall like of course and we get the big kick out pop um Mm -hmm. but a lot of the times they just to me are just it's just law of diminishing returns and this was that times 10 um, she stops the no future, nails Soho with a knee, the Falcon Arrow. Then Soho reverses, and she is sent into the exposed buckle, followed by the katana, and Sheeta wins in nine fifteen. I I did like the 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 buckle spot at the end, at least uh, paying itself off here um, with, with the finishing. But man, the the middle of this was just uh, to me such a cluster, and really, and it, they really struggled here. Like this this crowd was not checked in. I thought so. You know, for for this match, unfortunately, I thought the match had its problems even beyond that spot that um I did really did not like um I just didn't these two just to me didn't click on on the level that I I would expect at this point of of Sheeta or Soho on their own so I just didn't think this was great. Tony Storm and Luther walk out and she's just posing on the stage for an inordinate amount of time so they have to cut back to Sheeta who's like awkwardly reacting to this like. Does this mm-hmm. does that generate this reaction? Like I'm not so sure. Yeah, like I mean, she knew that they, she was going to have this match anyway. So what was the shock here? You know, what was the surprise at seeing Tony Storm here with Luther? Yeah, it's okay. You have the idea. Okay, this is the title match at the pay per view. But then Excalibur saying, "Who will face Tony Storm?" It's like, well, we just saw this, but this is getting ahead of ourselves because then they were going to announce that Sheeta has to defend this title again on Saturday on Collision. So um, mm-hmm. my face also reflected Sheeta's uh, at all of this because I too was confused. Renee is with MJF in the trainer's room and he is asked about the match with Kenny Omega and is cut off by Samoa Joe who offers to be MJF's friend and MJF readily accepts. And Joe says on the condition, I get a rematch for the title. I don't need an answer now. I'll get one soon enough. And MJF is left to digest this bit of information that, Maybe he needs some backup, and Joe can be that backup for him. And I already tapped this guy out. He's not that big of a threat. <laughs> so being his friend, I guess, simply as a bodyguard, but not so much as a, what, tag team partner for the ROH title defense? I guess so. All right. Okay. Some kind of uh, mm-hmm. protection. That's nice. Maybe they can hang out. Maybe we can. they can eat uh, peanut butter and jelly together. You want to see some I of those I do not skits? want to see Samoa Joe. Maybe they go and they smoke cigars and drink uh, whiskey in a high-rise. Sure. I'd love to see that. The next pay-per-view announcement. So we have got full gear, November 18th. Then we have final battle in early December. And now added to the pay-per-view lineup this year is World's End 
on Saturday, December the 30th at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum on Long Island, New York, uh, with uh, tickets going on sale next Friday. So another Saturday night pay-per-view, and this had been the date that had been uh, out there as a a potential pay-per-view date. So AEW confirming that. And I'm guessing probably replicating what they're going to do at full gear and move collision to a Friday night again, which I guess we're going to get these like three hour Friday night blocks when you couple it with rampage on top of it. But this also worth noting is that WWE has got their post Christmas house show. So they are running the garden on Monday. And then you've got this pay-per-view on Saturday, not the exact same market, but it is, you know, Mm -hmm. Close enough when you're talking Long Island and uh, and the Garden. But yeah, another pay-per-view for the end of the year. And I think um, certainly you see where they're setting things up for next year. Yeah, continuing the trend of these monthly pay-per-views, I think it probably gives us a, at least a, a presumed explanation of why they might have decided to put Final Battle on streaming instead of charging another pay-per-view for its audience again this this uh, for that month. Um, does, it- does this tie into a story you can do? Because this would, in theory be your last chance to get the belt off of MJF if he's leaving in Long Island on top of it. But I think you're you're maybe putting too much stock on like 2024 January 1st being sort of like the the date of his that absence. was the whole date that he pushed. I thought it was just some point in 2024. No, I don't did no, he ever say January the contract 1st? And he said January 1st, 2024. I thought that was just when he was negotiating. No, that was that has always been the date that he has pushed that he really? is a free agent. Yes. Okay. Well, okay, sure. Maybe they could do that. Rampage on Friday night has Santana against Ortiz. MJF and Kenny Omega will speak, and then a four-way with Sky Blue, Willow Nightingale, Anna Jay, and Abaddon. And the winner will face Sheeta on Saturday night on collision, along with the MJF Omega match for the AEW title. Yeah. Um Abaddon being included is definitely unusual. I want Abaddon to win this. That would be great. Well, I think it's very likely just given the Halloween, right? You know, coming up. So she might even be a front runner for many people. Because what why other what other reason would Abaddon suddenly make the jump onto television? And you're also doing like the story with, with Sky Blue and Willow Nightingale as well. They don't need to win this match. They can sort of be like it's like Sky's clearly in the process of going heel and Willow is likely there to uh now be mm-hmm. be fodder for her right. orange cassidy kazuchko okada against brian danielson claudio castagnoli big reaction for okada as he comes out and uh rapper armani white was not going to miss okada's dynamite debut as they showed him in in the crowd and this is the first meeting ever between brian danielson and orange cassidy they note and they start off the match uh, okada and claudio are tagged in the crowd's buzzing for that and this was just really simple but so effective where they just escalated the combinations to eventually peaking with danielson and okada midway through being tagged in together and each time the crowd just got more and more intense and then when okada and danielson were in like they were just um as paul Heyman stated at wrestlemania x7 uh, the most excited a man could get with his clothes on were these fans yes Big buildup, uh, again, to Okada and Danielson. They have the long stare, and then Danielson tries for the LaBelle lock. Okada gets out of that, sidesteps the Busaiku knee, and Danielson ducks the Rainmaker. Big strikes. They have a mid-ring collision. We go back to Cassidy and Claudio. These guys were amazing together. Uh, we see Cassidy with the weak kicks, but then they intensify and is kicking them with everything. Then there's a tilt-a-whirl turned into the giant swing that he counters into the stun dog, followed by a satellite DDT and the, the different transitions they got from 
Orange amazing. Cassidy into the giant swing were amazing. Incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, these two, I mean, I guess um, Castagnoli is incredibly strong and Orange Cassidy is incredibly uh, athletic and uh, I guess, you know, fast. And that means these two could do a whole lot together with Orange Cassidy essentially hanging on Castagnoli like, you know, he was like a set of monkey bars. It was a, a very impressive sequence. And then they top themselves because Orange Cassidy goes for the orange punch and that is caught and turned into a giant swing. And he just keeps going and going, applies the sharpshooter, but then Okada is in to break up the sharpshooter and he hits the elbow drop. That is now the most devastating maneuver because of what it did to Brian Danielson's arm. Makes the rainmaker pose. And as he's doing the pose, Cassidy comes in to hug him. So they do the zoom out a second time and they turn into a double missile drop kick from Brian Danielson and the crowd booed Danielson for Mm. breaking this up. I I was having a lot of fun watching this. And then there's a drop kick on Danielson and that sets up the orange punch rainmaker combo to Danielson who then goes down and he's selling his face as Claudio then does a springboard reverse uppercut and a pop-up uppercut to pin Cassidy in 16 minutes and 31 seconds. Um, First of all, um, I I love this match. It was so enjoyable, all the different combos. And when Claudio pinned Cassidy, my immediate thought was, I cannot wait for this singles match. And then Mm. they announced it for next Wednesday. I thought maybe this will be, well, it does make sense. It seems like Moxley is the big one. Um, But him and Claudio, I, I am so excited for that match next next wednesday the crowd came here for okada and danielson but i thought it was the combination of claudio and orange that i'm left thinking about they were just claudio okada like that's another one you can do if Mm -hmm. if if there's the date or time to do it um like all of these it kind of feels like claudio's the setup but he's a great setup i I think any combination of these four you really can't go wrong they're all really spectacular together uh but claudio orange in the immediate i'm really looking forward to they came out really stealing the show um and then you know we got did you get a sense that they were building towards uh angle sorry um uh danielson versus okada directly coming out of this? oh definitely like i don't feel that's coming up imminently but this this feels like this was their first time in the ring since forbidden door and i would imagine that that is you would have to think probably a candidate for wrestle kingdom mm-hmm. yeah um yeah i i completely like that to me is the the big rematch um, and Danielson's got a few of them. Like you've got the Zach rematch that's been floated out there by Zach. So, I mean, the guy's got quite the, you know, run coming up. Yeah. And I, and thinking about this, like a uh, uh, December 30th pay-per-view, I don't think that would conflict it conflict at all with January 4th. Right. No, Plenty it should time. like, it's, yeah. it's probably not the the easiest week for, mm. you know, you, you, you assume like Moxley is probably on that card and Danielson, but I mean, it's, it's enough days apart, but right. Um, and then so this angle. The angle at the end. So that I certainly read as, as an angle. I saw a lot of people like concerned here. But I mean, number one, it was like he took the orange punch and rainmaker combo. And I was just watching like this to me screamed Brian Danielson injury angle. That would mm-hmm. be totally different. That like it's an injury to a part that we never really see, like a, a facial injury. And the fact that like I don't know. I just like the announcers reference it. They shot it. Like I just totally read it as an angle. So I, um, 
Yeah, I did. I did too. I mean, like that's the, how I saw it. Um, he could have rolled to the apron if it was like you know something that that was actually to be. Sorry, he could have rolled to the floor and not not stayed on the apron in full view of the camera. Um, I mean, it's it, and, and I you, think had the, you had the sides all come out as well. Like to me, this was like this was like the two groups that are out and here, like we've hit one of our guys or you've injured one of our guys, and you even had the line from Excalibur here that like Okada was somewhat like mocking him, like he hurt him again. Sure. Yeah. I think what made made it feel maybe um concerning for a lot of people watching it's was Brian the fact Danielson. Well, it, it was that it was also the fact that it was so incredibly maybe uh flat of an ending that was pretty like atypical of um right pro wrestling show that usually crescendos to this like, oh my god, huge pull apart. This was just like everybody kind of standing around unsure of what to really do with themselves um but i can also see brian danielson being like that's exactly the feeling i want i want I people the, that's the effective way to do it like you're yeah. you're left with the the idea that this is different like we're not going to do this like a typical like injury angle so mm-hmm. um, that was the show but i i yeah the, the tag was the big high point of the entire show it, for me the announcers were working really hard to draw allusions to you know you and hook being our uh a future match for the right. they, were, title. they were trading words you have rocky romero in the ring too right yeah so everybody's in chaos now. Everybody's a part of best friends. Yeah. Mystico, Hook, throw them all in. Yeah, they're all, they're a lot of friends. Um, yeah, overall, I would say um, MJF and Juice Robinson didn't quite hit the level that I was expecting for that match. And I mm-hmm. think some of it has to do where I, I do think the the angle and everything, I think it did somewhat hurt the buildup for this. But no, the match was fine, but I, I didn't think it was like stellar on, on, the, on this show. Um, you know, yeah. the ROH six man tag title. I enjoyed that. Sheeta and Soho was a miss for me. Um, but man, that tag, the tag was, was very strong stuff. I agree. Uh, I think tag tag was, was fantastic. Um, I thought the Ric Flair surprise was uh, again, maybe mm, depending on how you feel about Ric Flair, I suppose. Um, but I thought it was like a worthwhile surprise for this live audience that made, made that segment feel unique and, and feel special. Um, for me, like much of the show is highlighted by, I think the, the MJF sort of like universe, universe of just so many things going on. It's becoming right Game now. of Thrones. Yeah. And, and it's not to say like in wrestling, you can't tell a story where everybody should be wanting to go after the champion. Can they do it in a clear in a way of, of communication that somehow makes everybody excited for whatever, all of these matchups, it's a tall task. It's a challenge. Um, but you know, we'll see. Cause right now you certainly have to ask questions about like um, how hot this Jay White feud, you know, feels compared to maybe some of these others, including Kenny Omega coming up on Saturday. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a tough role where, you know, here's a guy that has been, you know, I think if he had his, um, if he had his way, I think he would be the, the number one heel in this company, but this has kind of organically, grown for him where that he is now in the role of the top baby face in the company. And that's required. I think, I think a lot of trial and error for him of like what works, what stays true to my MJF character, but also is, is enough that it is. And I think overall, I think he's navigating it pretty well over overall um, in terms of making what's a pretty seismic shift. Mm-hmm. Let's go to a feedback, John, and we have a super chat coming to us. This one comes to us from Plethora, who sends $5. Thank you for the support, Plethora. He says, when the Observer voters don't vote Reigns into the Hall of Fame, do you see any WWE star in the near or far future being voted in? Would seem impossible. 
Um, well, he's saying when, maybe we should say if they mm-hmm. do not vote him in. I, I think Reigns has a very, very strong case. I know that there's people who don't, but I I think it's really hard to argue voting anyone in that's on the WWE roster if you're if your barrier for entry is like Roman Reigns and that does not cross your threshold, I think it's really hard. If your argument is that Reigns is benefited by a brand or just uh, it's the booking that has uh, helped this. Like, I think you just have to ignore too many aspects of business that have clearly, um, you know, that, that he has made a difference in. And I think there's probably people that have, I think downgraded his, overall run like i i just cannot view the entire like 2015 to 2018 run as like an abysmal failure when this was still a company that was doing all of its record business and this was a guy that was you know did he did he click at the level anticipated no um anyway uh to get back to the actual question here though um i i see many people in wwe that have um hall of fame um cases uh, attached to them i think when cody rhodes is on the ballot he's going to be a really intriguing candidate of where where he is because this wwe run is only going to strengthen that especially when you look at what his age is and that he should get many more years uh, ahead of him um others uh seth rollins is on the ballot for the first time this year i do not see him getting the level of support he him and moxley had both been on prior and both fell off the ballot that meant they were below 10 percent. they're both back on this year so that's going to be an interesting one to see rollins a guy who stayed in wwe all this time and moxley who you're basically voting based on the past four years because i don't think anyone is uh arguing that his wwe tenure is going to be a notch in his belt for um eligibility in, into the hall of fame but uh, we went into all of uh, a lot of this on the uh, on the show today but thank you for the question would you like to go to forum uh, yes are you ready jesse from cincinnati i always follow AEW coverage but i rarely watch dynamite the one time is when wbd settled the jay briscoe issue after his passing and had that memorial match so i watch it but with okada being in dynamite thanks to AEW special friends from new japan are they too much teasing brian versus okada to it okay <laughs> So um, we answered that already. Um, are they too much teasing Brian Danielson and Okada too? Yeah, man. It's like, I want this match too much. They, <laughs> they promoted it too hard. Stop it. Um, yeah, let's move on. Okay. Uh, let's go to Mr. Kane, who says, what a dynamite. The MJF story has certainly been an interesting one. He, he has really become the focal point of the show. And as the AEW champion, the target of so many different people, it's slowly starting to feel like the walls are closing in as Max is without a friend and continues to reject those who offer their help and challengers are calling their shot. I mean, it's compelling stuff. The vignettes and backstage moments from tonight were really well done, and Swerve Strickland continues to take it to another dark level, crossing lines and building a serious return program with Hangman. Luther as Tony Storm's butler was a spot-on choice. Along with RJ City, they're going to be a Hollywood powerhouse. Good main event. Strange post-match situation, but I could see a lot coming out of it, so as long as there's follow-through and build to matchups, then it's all good. I miss Mox. I hope he's cleared soon. Make Mox versus Okada happen for retribution for Danielson tonight, TK. Okay. He's calling on Jericho. show. That seems to be where everyone's leaning towards. Jericho and Captain Insano. Mm. Next one here is from Muggin. MJF continues to be the straw that stirs the AEW drink. It's him versus the world. Between Wardlow wanting a shot at Joe... Eh, a shot to Joe wanting a shot to Omega defending his record collision needed a jolt and putting him and Omega in a match for the world title this Saturday, just 
reeks of a setup. I bet it ends in a non-finish because neither guy should take a loss right now. World's End is at the end of the year. Is that a, is AEW stretching themselves a little thin pay-per-view wise? Hmm. Mm, I think that'll be determined by the build. Um, I, I they're, they're choosing it, a weekend that in the past, like that used to be, you know, the, the post Christmas weekend, like that was for the longest time, the domain of, of Starcade, uh, when it was a December pay-per-view. And then the UFC took that for a long time. They would run the Saturday after Christmas. And it's a weekend that's at least for, for wrestling and MMA has sort of been abandoned over the years. So they are going to uh, what historically is a weekend that, you know, had some, uh, there were some really, really big fights on, on, on those weekends and some, some big Starcade events as well. I'm not so worried about the card. I guess the question Muggins asking is just about, you know, people coming back and now seeing the realization that it's now a monthly amount that you are asking your fan base to pay. It also probably gives a lot of credence to why they're making final battle, uh, not a $40 price tag on on top Mm -hmm. of it and making you pay for two pay-per-views that month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It'll be determined by how many people purchase these shows. Um, ultimately, I have to imagine it's all profitable enough for AEW to 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 make a decision like this. And beyond that, you know, you want proof of concept for whatever streaming potential streaming deal that they may, they might want to sell in the future as well. So, um, I don't think it's a bad move at all. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the card. It depends on on what you have. It's really hard to determine. Like if they if if you have a super hot product and like you, you can run twelve pay per views a year, and you're not going to have a, a problem. Um, it depends on even if you way. don't have a super hot product. I no, feel like sometimes, yeah, you, you, you still run it. Got I mean, it. yeah. Okay, thanks everyone for the feedback, the super chats, and for tuning in live tonight. So that's going to wrap things up. Again, we are back on Thursday with the Ask Away Mailbag Show. You can get your last minute questions in forum.postwrestling.com in the Ask Away thread as well. Memo.fm/postwrestling if you want us to hear your voice and respond to you on the show. So looking forward to that. And uh, that is it. So that is going to wrap up Rewind to Dynamite.